Hello, my name is Dave Gonzalez, and I haven't read any of the books in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. I'm Joanna Robinson. I've read every book in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. And I'm Neil Miller, and I have also read all of those books. We are headed back to Westeros to cover the Game of Thrones spinoff series, House of the Dragon. We'll be answering your questions, so send us a raven at trialbycontent at gmail.com. Take some bread and salt and join us Thursdays on the Trial by Content feed. And don't worry, you're safe. The Reigns of Castamere hasn't even been written yet. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture History Lesson on the Ringer Dish feed. I'm Jody Walker, and we have gathered you here today because this summer marks a decade since one of Hollywood's most iconic uncouplings, that between Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. To do that, I am joined by beloved friend of the Ringer, Zach Peter. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. Hi, Jody. Hello. Now, you know, it might sound like we are here to celebrate the anniversary of a divorce. That is not true. <laughs> what we are is here to though? do. I mean, I'm kind well, of celebrating. I'm like, listen, homegirl's doing the best. She's doing incredible without Tom. I'm kind of celebrating a little bit. I may have a martini after. You know, and Zach, that's a great point. And perhaps I was just kind of dipping my toes in the waters to see where we stood. And I think where we stand is that we are celebrating Katie Holmes and her iconic uncoupling from Tom Cruise and the quote unquote Church of Scientology. So with that, I'm curious, in 2012, when this divorce was rather unexpectedly announced, what was your personal relationship to Tom Cruise, to Katie Holmes, and to the couple known as Tomcat? I mean, I was so obsessed with everything pop culture. Um, instead of like reading nursery rhymes as a kid, I was reading Us Weekly and People Magazine. Like I was so deeply invested in these people's lives. And Tom Cruise growing up was like one of the biggest movie stars, like next to like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. So yeah. when he had these this connection to Scientology and then we have this speedy engagement to Katie Holmes, like I was fascinated just like sitting there, like if I could have cracked open a beer with some popcorn and just kind of watched it at that age, which it was not age appropriate. Um, I totally would have. And I was just, to me, their divorce was wild because it came so unexpectedly. Their engagement was so vast and unexpected that I was just on the edge of my seat the entire time. You know, well, it's good because I feel like we have maybe kind of like inverse experiences because as I was researching this, I realized that I was so invested in Tom Cruise as an actor. I was so invested in Katie Holmes. I was a huge Dawson's Creek fan. Sometimes I just pull up Katie Holmes singing on my own from Les Miserables from Dawson's Creek <laughs> just to just to have a little giggle. It's uh, it's it's. 
It's not to enjoy the musicality, I'll tell you that much, but I'm no Juliet Littman. I'm not like a historian of Dawson's Creek, but I have great affection for Katie Holmes for that reason. And that Vanity Fair issue, you know, once they kind of graduated from the tabloids to Vanity Fair with Surrey Cruz on the couple, on the cover, takes up such a space in my mind. Like, I can remember every detail of it so well. But what I actually didn't remember that well was the divorce of it all, how fast it happened, how fast the relationship happened, and kind of like the great maneuvers that Katie Holmes went through to be able to achieve kind of what seemed impossible, which is like, divorcing from the Church of Scientology, basically. And, you know, like you said, at that age, perhaps those were not nuances that I was, like, prepared to to understand. Although by 2012, I was probably old enough, but maybe not paying attention. But, you know, it, it captured everyone's attention so much, kind of no matter what age you were. You couldn't escape it. What do you think it is about... First, the coupling of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, and then the divorce of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes that, like, so captured pop culture at that time that now we're here talking about it 10 years later. It's still, like, this is a lesson in pop culture history. I mean, I think it was just the fact that Tom Cruise was so famous and such a big movie star that we were so invested. And we kind of knew, I mean, I guess there was like the Dawson's Creek fans that knew of Katie Holmes. She wasn't really as much on my radar as Tom Cruise was. I mean, granted, I was, you know, enamorated by Tom Cruise for other reasons. But, you know, where at that age, I think I wasn't focusing on Katie Holmes as much. Wait till Um, I send you this Les Miserables video. You're going to be right (laughs) invested. (laughs) I don't know. Listen, I was watching old internet reviews of Katie too. And I'm just like, there's nothing about her that like really hooks me. Um, other yeah. than, you know, maybe if, if the church of Scientology wanted to, you know, forge a, an arranged marriage, then I guess that would be the only time I'd be interested. But, um, I think, I think it was just his popularity and his fame at the time that made us so invested. And then we have this TV star actress from this big show on Dawson's Creek who was just engaged. And then all of a sudden the engagement is off and she's so quickly jumping into this new engagement with Tom Cruise, this big movie star that I think it was his fame that really kind of hooked us. And then I guess the velocity in which how quickly things were progressing within their relationship. And then we have the Oprah moment of him like jumping on the couch. Like there were just so, it was it was like overdrive with how much love from Tom and Katie was being shoved down our throats in, in the news and in the gossip magazines. Right. And you make a good point that, It was so highly documented, this relationship. And it was one of the first relationships like that between... I mean, you also make a good point that Tom Cruise was such a huge star. Like, it cannot be overstated what an A-lister he was at that time. And as we'll get to still now. Like that that fame has not gone away despite it has had ebbs and flows but it has not gone away. But during this time when they were getting together in like 2005, 2006, you know, people were starting to go on the internet all the time. Gossip blogs were starting to become a thing and like it wasn't just people and us and what you could read in the dentist's office or like grab from your parents' nightstand. It was like what you could get on and access yourself. And a video clip like that one from Oprah that you mentioned where he's jumping on the couch is suddenly everywhere. And it's being like, you know, mocked on South Park and it's being talked about on Sesame Street. There's like a clip from Sesame Street where they do a parody of it. And it was just such an interesting time. Were you reading gossip blogs then or were you mostly still in the hard papers? No, that's when I was, I mean, that's when the internet was really, or like uh, gossip culture on the internet was really kind of booming. Like we had Perez Hilton, who I think was like one of the biggest ones at the time. So I remember going on and refreshing the page and like trying to see what else is going on um, because, you know, I needed to do research for my homework, you know, which was my, the lie that I told, you know, people as to why I was on the internet all day. Cause I was researching and I was really just reading Paris and, Hilton all day. And look at you now, Zach, it and really is now. research. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are doing our jobs, talking yes. about it for real. Um, and it so paid off. 
<laughs> yes, we did it. Um, thank you, internet. So part of my job <laughs> at The Ringer and on Pop Culture History Lesson has become researching and investigating niche religions that are possibly problematic. And that cannot be understated in this marriage and this coupling between Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. Tom Cruise is perhaps our most famous Scientologist, only next to John Travolta, but I would say more famous and more permanently attached to the church and definitely more relevant. Um, You know, so before I dig in too deep, I guess I should just make sure. Zach, do you have any ties to Scientology? I know you live in L.A. Am I finding you at um, the Celebrity Center? Just want to make sure. Have you received any pamphlets on the sidewalk? I haven't reached my O two three or OT three level yet, mm. but I'm in the process. Um, yes, I have been handed pamphlets. I mean, when you're living in Los Angeles, just like walking down the street, like, and they make it like look so like inviting. They have like all these like books in the shelves and all of this, like you know, even the Scientology Church in Hollywood is like so big and so grand that passing by, you're like, whoa, what is that? So um, I've never engaged. I've never. Really really had any true affiliation, but I've always been fascinated by the topic. Right. And, you know, if you're looking for kind of like an introduction to uh, Scientology, that's more that we can give you in like 45 minutes. um, I would recommend checking out Going Clear on HBO or reading the book that it's based on or any of Leah Remini's vast body of work of exposing Scientology as um, an abusive and manipulative organization. But I'll just quickly say that Scientology is by law, I guess, considered a religion. It received its um, often disputed, but not yet officially disputed, tax-exempt status as a church in 1993, which accounts for a lot of its wealth and ability to maintain power. The other thing that accounts for that is Scientology's constant goal to recruit actors and celebrities. And in 1986, they hit the motherlode by recruiting Tom Cruise via his first wife, Mimi Rogers. And from that point on, he basically became like a number two to David Miscavige, who Scientologists refer to as COB, chairman of the board. And a lot of the more problematic elements of Scientology are traced back to David Miscavige. Of course, L. Ron Hubbard was no saint. He was simply a science fiction writer um, who, who you know, created this religion that has had this vast impact on pop culture. But perhaps the biggest impact that has been had by Scientology is via Tom Cruise. So that all starts when he meets his... Now, I should say, in order for us to like really get into the meat of what happened before with Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, we really have to rewind it back to uh, Tom Cruise's original love stories. He's been married three times. Katie Holmes was his third wife and a somewhat like desperate final attempt to get it right. But Zach, did you, do you know anything about Mimi Rogers, his, his first wife in 1986? I didn't at the time. Um, I know she did some acting back in the day. Apologize if there are any like diehard Mimi Rogers fans listening to this and you think that's a total snub to her. Um, Was not very familiar with her. But yeah, I mean, she didn't seem, I know she was heavily involved and grew up in the Scientology church. And she was kind of the one that hooked Tom Cruise in. But prior to, to Tom Cruise, I wasn't really aware of her. Right. So, and I mean, I mean, same, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch this like escalation of who Tom Cruise couples with and marries as his star rises. It's also interesting to watch the age of his wives and girlfriends as his age rises, (laughs) 
he he is like that uh Matthew McConaughey quote. He gets older and his wives stay the same age. So actually, when he married Mimi Rogers, she was 30 and he was 24. Her mom, no, her dad was a member of Scientology, and that is how Tom Cruise got involved. But ultimately, her dad, who was a high-ranking member, left the church, and Mimi Rogers kind of refused to push him away, consider him a suppressive person, And, you know, that is a big part of why people call Scientology a cult, because it has many of the hallmarks of a cult, including that once someone disassociates, you are no longer allowed to speak to them. So because Mimi was unwilling to do that, it is rumored, and please, you know, take everything that we say here with a with a big allegedly in front, in the middle, and after it, because Zach and I are not trying to have a fleet of white SUVs outside our homes. Um, Miscavige kind of uh, pushes Tom Cruise to divorce Mimi Rogers. And to me, this is like the first case of that famous Princess Diana quote, there were three people in the marriage. David Miscavige is always involved in these marriages with Tom Cruise. Uh, Almost more involved than Tom Cruise. And that is exemplified nowhere more than in his second marriage. Um, Very shortly after getting a divorce from Mimi Rogers, he marries his co-star, Nicole Kidman. Now, Zach, what's your relationship with Nicole Kidman? I like Nicole Kidman. Um, I liked her better when she left Tom Cruise, but I've always enjoyed Nicole Kidman. I like her, you know, even in her recent series that she, or a couple of uh, shows that she's done that I've been binging. I think she's a great actress. I've always, I've always been a fan. I love Nicole Kidman. (laughs) I just, I just love her. I think that she is a great actress. And something I kind of want to ask you in all of these relationships that Tom Cruise has is like where you, where you fell at the time and where you fall looking back now on sort of like the motivations of the marriages and of the relationships. It is my opinion that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman really were in love and, and married for love. But what did you think about that marriage and how that relationship came together and ultimately fell apart? Well, it's interesting because I think when Mimi was in the picture and when she, because my understanding is she was an actual recruiter for Scientology and like brought him in as like part of her job. And so my understanding is that once Tom became part of the Church of Scientology, he was then used as more of like a prop, like a marketing tool. Like he was the Mm. first like influencer for the Church of Scientology because they saw his fame and his influence and they wanted to kind of utilize him, which I feel like, you know, we'll continue to explore as we, you know, go down the relationship with Nicole and then later Katie and his role in the church today. But I just, I feel like they really were in love. And I think the t- it, it shows because when she was at the point where she wanted to leave, the, she was devoted to him and she gave her time and energy to becoming a member of the Church of Scientology until the point where she was kind of ready to be done and tapped out. And he left with her. So I think the fact that they had those moments where she was willing to engage in his religion to try and make their relationship work. And then when she wanted out, he also left with her. I think that shows the devotion that they have even beyond, you know, Scientology. Yeah, you're so right. That is like perhaps the greatest proof of how real that relationship was is that it's really the only time that we saw any evidence of him dipping out of this religion and away from David Miscavige and this like figure that had so deeply indoctrinated him. But, oh, love was so close to winning. It was it was so close to getting him out with Nicole Kidman. They adopted two children together while they were married. But it's it's rumored that Nicole Kidman was kind of like always considered a potential problem, like a potential trouble source by the higher-ups at Scientology, specifically because her father was a psychiatrist, which is just so wild. Like, that that 
that that's an issue. To me, if I'm marrying someone whose father is a psychiatrist, I'm like, great, free care. <laughs> like, But to the Church of Scientology, um, psychiatry and psychology are basically not allowed. And like even being related to someone like that um, is an issue. But like you mentioned, uh, during this time that he is married to Nicole Kidman, he actually like takes time away from the church while they're filming Eyes Wide Shut, which I think is like holds the record for like one of the longest ongoing film shoots. So they're away for like 15 months and he's really, Tom Cruise is really not involved with the church during that time. And you can just imagine how desperate David Miscavige is during this time to get Tom Cruise back. I mean, just the fact that he had such an integral part or rumored integral part in um, breaking up Tom's first marriage and then how heavily involved we see him get with his marriage to Nicole. Like, to me, it's just like they very much had their eyes set on Tom Cruise and positioning him as like a really powerful figure in the Church of Scientology. I mean, we have heard that they like having control of their members overall, but the fact that they loved going after celebrities and they loved bringing in, you know, people with this fame and influence on the general public, like goes to show the lengths that they were willing to go to to make sure that they kept them away from problematic people like Nicole Kidman, who has a father who's a psychiatrist or who comes from a different religious background. Like, to me, it's so wild. It is. And it brings up an interesting point about the church, which is like very well known within the church and outside of it, which is it's kind of split into two. There are celebrities who are Scientologists who get special privileges, who can send their children to different schools, who can leave for 14 months at a time and still be welcomed back like Tom Cruise. It's odd, this dichotomy between like he is the biggest Scientologist, like most well-known Scientologist, but he's also not necessarily subscribing to a lot of the things that people who are, for example, members of Sea Org, which is like extremely conservative, extremely strict. Tom Cruise doesn't have to do that. He can leave for 14 months and then allegedly becomes suspicious that his wife, Nicole Kidman, is cheating on him. He starts to have some doubts, have the marriage, and nothing no, nothing better for a cult than doubts, uh, which is where they can really come to pray. And so allegedly during this time, Tom Cruise kind of like reconnects with David Miscavige, expresses his concerns about Nicole, perhaps expresses his desire to become reconnected to Scientology, and things go into overdrive. He's getting emergency auditing sessions. What do you know about this time? Well, my understanding is that uh, that uh, Miscavige kind of had people around him that were always kind of influencing him. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if his suspicions about Nicole cheating were probably planted, you know, and maybe because from what I remember, he was having like security guards follow them to kind of keep an eye and give him daily reports in terms of like what they were up to. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of scheme behind the scenes to kind of plant these doubts because all of Tom Cruise's team from, you know, some of the managers around him and possibly some of the agents, I I don't remember exactly which members of Tom's team were still heavily involved in the Church of Scientology, but a lot of them were there and and um, conveniently placed to make sure that they were continuing to make sure Scientology was always in the back of his mind and for him to always know that this is always something that he could come back to. And we also know, I think even from listening to like what Leah Remini has revealed about Scientology, that they would even tell you know, celebrities or actors that they would help them gain bigger opportunities and bigger roles and exposure by continuing to be loyal to the Church of Scientology. Somebody should have probably told Kirstie Alley that, but, you know, I think at this point, it seemed like David always kind of had his his hand on Tom in some sort of way, and he was always going to make sure he was going to swoop him back in. 
That gives me the chills. Like, can you (laughs) imagine being in, I mean, let's even just say like a church, an actual church, and the pastor is taking like that kind of role in your marriage and is watching you and having you watched and giving you feedback. And allegedly what ultimately led to Tom actually making the decision to file for divorce with Nicole is that her phone was tapped. And we don't know like what kind of access um, he got to, you know, whatever he heard from wiretapping Nicole Kidman. But whatever it was, however, David Miscavige ultimately did it. You know, the love story that Zach and I referenced earlier was broken. Breaks my heart. And also, when you were talking about, you know, that Scientology shills that, like, you can, we'll, you know, we'll give you a foot in the door, we'll help you become more famous. No one in this story is more famous than Nicole Kidman. And she's the one who ultimately rejected Scientology. And we should say that, like, while she did attempt to sort of, I think, like, respect and try out Tom's religion when they first got married, she ultimately, I believe, turned against Scientology in almost every way. I mean, and she really committed to, like, studying die hard for, like, two whole years. She was, what, an OT2? Like, she really dedicated herself and like tried to make this work. And I think that shows her dedication to him. And listen, if somebody like Nicole Kidman can give, can give them that much of her time and energy and effort. And they are, of course, are going to roll out the red carpet for her and give her access to everything that they can provide for her. And that still wasn't enough. You know, Nicole probably felt real lucky when she found herself some Keith Urban. Who wouldn't? Who who among us would, would not feel lucky to find an Aussie country singer to settle down with and become a movie star with? But it's interesting that you say she made it to OT2 because a notable thing about Scientology is once you make it to OT3, then that's when you get access to L. Ron Hubbard's secret teachings. And a lot of the higher up Scientologists who have now disassociated with Scientology and really dedicated themselves to exposing a lot of these things that we're talking about here today say that OT3 is often a breaking point for people. Like once they get access to this information and see what they've been working towards, which is like cleansing themselves for aliens that then they're like, oh, okay, maybe I have wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars. But Nicole didn't even have to get to that point, but she probably did give hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. Isn't it crazy though, that you have to give so much money and so much time and energy and like dedicate yourself to something before you even know what it is. Like, I don't know if I could trust a process that much to be able to give, like, unless I'm going to be meeting, you know, Zenu personally, and we're going to be having cocktails together. I don't know if I'm willing to put in that amount of effort to get to OT3. Zach, do you know what I immediately thought of when you said that? Is like, I do that with skincare all the time. There's nothing I love more than buying an overpriced skincare product and being like, hope this works. Hope, hope but at some point, but you don't make it all the way to OT2, OT3 in the skincare realm. Like usually you just dip onto the next, you know, overpriced KKW beauty sort of, you know, gimmick oh, yeah. that's being marketed at us. You just jump I don't from have one that. to the next. We never evolve. I don't have that Scientology commitment. Absolutely not. I'm 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 no Tom Cruise. And you know, I mean it could also be said that like a lot of the religious beliefs of Scientology that seem outlandish can be lined right up with the religious beliefs of other more historical religions. The thing that kind of sets Scientology apart are these aspects that make it more like a cult that make you, you know, push to refuse SPs, suppressive people, another important Scientology term. And once Tom Cruise divorces Nicole Kidman, she is considered a suppressive person. Very tragically, her child, their adopted children together are already pretty indoctrinated into the church at that point. And from everything we can tell, she has very little relationship with those children. And that is just very sad. And that plays a lot into Katie Holmes's ultimate kind of like 
incredible maneuvers to get herself and her child out of the church. But once Tom Cruise um, gets divorced from Nicole, he dates Penelope Cruz for three years. She is also unwilling to get to OT3 status. And so there becomes this kind of like desperation within the church to find Tom Cruise a wife. And this is the part of the story that I find most interesting that I like remember the rumors of the best, which is basically the Tom Cruise's wife audition process. What do you know about this time, Zach? Well, I'm interested in the, in why they felt the need to marry him off. And I think part of it, I guess I don't really know the full history of Scientology and, you know, possibly homophobia, but I know that there were rumors at that time that Tom Cruise may have been, you know, not entirely heterosexual. Either he was experimenting or could have possibly been bisexual or was possibly gay altogether. So I find it interesting that at that time they decided they needed to come in and and insert themselves in order to, you know, essentially do a casting process to find him his next wife. I mean, that sounds like a next, a great show for Fox. Tom Cruise is America's next top wife. You know, I think it's so wild Just as problematic that, as, as America's next top model, I'm sure. Right, right, right. right. So, I mean... To me, it's wild. I know that many of them, like there were a few different names that were brought up, right? There was like Sofia Vergara, who's like, I'm Catholic. She like ran out of of that meeting. Um, Scarlett Johansson. Very interesting. I don't think that there was Jennifer Garner. Like there was never really a like, formula like it wasn't like he had a type that they were trying to find for him it was like let's just pull in as many big famous actresses as we can and let's see who's willing to go all in let's see what we can promise them and part of my conspiracy theory is maybe katie holmes knew what she was signing up for and she was always kind of um committed to letting this be a short-term sort of thing to get what she needed and get out but i mean i think the whole audition process is is wild Yeah, and you're right. I mean, they were absolutely throwing noodles at the wall. This was not like we have a a, like a millionaire matchmaker profile that we're trying to match. This was who's got I mean, they they should have brought her in. They should have brought her in. Um, But one part of it that I find really interesting is, you know, you mentioned these like up and coming gorgeous actresses. But before um, and this is all uh, sort of this section of our pop culture history lesson. A lot of it is according to the reporting of Maureen Orth from Vanity Fair. She wrote an article in October 2012 after um, the Katie Holmes divorce was complete that really um, got a lot of people on the record, did a lot of investigating into the sort of Scientology of it all. And one thing that she uncovered in that story is that before they recruited Katie Holmes, before they were attempting to recruit Scarlett Johansson, they were trying to find just a nice Scientologist girl who'd grown up in the church, who maybe they could turn into a celebrity, but really had this like foundation of Scientology. Ultimately, they had to rework that and find a celebrity who they could then work backwards from and try and establish a foundation of Scientology. Neither method works. But what I find so interesting in this article that Maureen Orth wrote is that they actually find a young woman. Her name is Nazanin Boniadai. She's an Iranian-born 25-year-old who kind of grew up in the church. And at only 25, she's already an OT5 status, which means she knows about Xenu, she knows about the Thetans, and she's still on board. So you know what else she's going to be on board for? Just like having some higher-ups say, hey, you have to start going to auditing every day. You've got to start signing contracts without knowing what you're doing. And it's like exactly what you referenced earlier, which is just fully committing to something without knowing what you're working towards. But as it turns out, Nazanin was ultimately working towards Tom Cruise. Um, And she is basically placed in like an arranged relationship with A-list actor Tom Cruise, who was 42 at the time, she's 25, and they're kind of like soft launching it. They're not like going super public like he ultimately does with Katie Holmes. Um, They're just trying it things out. But one of the things that I find most fascinating in in this story is that at the time that they recruited Nazanin, who 
was really like in her, you know, like on paper, the perfect person. She was like an esteemed violinist. She had graduated from a great university. She was like smart and sharp. And as they noted, um, ethnic, uh, they liked that for coupling with Tom Cruise. Unfortunately, she had braces and a boyfriend and she had to get rid of both of those uh, before she could date Tom Cruise, which she did. Rumored because they exposed her boyfriend, who was also a Scientologist, they exposed his reports from his auditing and whatever she saw in those reports was enough to make her want to break up with him. But that's just a rumor. Who am I to say anything bad against Scientology? But ultimately, if you can believe this, David Miscavige also doesn't like this coupling. And so he encourages Tom Cruise to break up with her, which Tom Cruise never actually does. He just stops seeing her. But after a month of living together, he never officially breaks up with her. Do you remember hearing about her at the time? Because I remember that name. Like, I remember that Vanity Fair story. Um, I remember, I vaguely remember the story, but I don't really remember much about her. And I think it was because, you know, as you mentioned, she was just somebody that was heavily involved in the Church of Scientology, but she wasn't any anyone that the public really knew. And I think they were banking on making her more of a household name through Tom Cruise. Right. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. But one household name that we did have was Katie Holmes. And now it's time to get into it. Uh, I think that like the reference point that so many people have and that was just made such a big deal of in the tabloids and on the talk shows and as an explanation for the eight weeks from meeting to engagement between Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes is that in 2004, when Katie Holmes' star was like really, really rising, she just finished uh, Dawson's Creek. She was about to be in a few big movies and she is engaged to Chris Klein, also an up-and-coming actor, um, just a you know very square-jawed young man. She says in an interview with Seventeen Magazine, I think every little girl dreams about her wedding. I used to think I was going to marry Tom Cruise. And I do think that it's of note 
that Katie Holmes went on to star in the feature film adaptation of The Secret. And that this is perhaps the the worst use of like the law of attraction and the secret ever that she basically like manifested that she would marry Tom Cruise. So unfortunate. Everybody thinks that us in Los Angeles are crazy for believing in manifestation and having crystals on our dresser. But listen, you can manifest Tom Cruise as your husband. You too can end up in a disastrous marriage. It if happens just, all the time. If you just get that crystal. If you just um, believe in it. So I maybe Tom Cruise's team read that interview, not totally sure of the impetus for them bringing Holmes in, but allegedly they bring her in under the guise of auditioning for Mission Impossible 3. And who knows? Maybe it really could have been an audition, but really they were auditioning her for potentially becoming Tom Cruise's future wife. Um, Do you remember hearing about this at the time, Zach? Like, what was your relationship with the way that this coupling came together? Because I have to say, in rereading about it, I was shocked that it happened this fast. I felt like I was hearing about it for so long during this time in like 2005 that I, I was so surprised how fast it happened. Well, I think it felt so long because it was covered so heavily. Like every yeah. day, it was another story about Tomcat, Tomcat, Tomcat. They had the name Tomcat. So I don't remember at the time hearing much about the auditioning process because I, <laughs> I feel like those details came out a little bit later. Right. Um, but I also like, I'm curious about like whether or not they like she knew what she was auditioning for. Like, did they, I feel like they probably saw the interview and were like, listen, at this point, none of these other girls are working with Tom. None of these other women are working out and wanting to go all the way. At least she likes him, you know, let's bring her in and let's see where this goes. And so whether or not she was really auditioning for Mission Impossible, who knows? I kind of feel like maybe she knew what she was kind of getting into a little bit. But then again, she could have also been just, you know, a little naive in Hollywood. But I just, I don't know, part of me and part of my skepticism feels like there's a bigger, like my conspiracy brain is like, I think she kind of was willing to dive into this and see where it went. She wasn't, I don't think she expected it to blow up the way that it did or for it to be as intense as it was. But I think they dangled a lot of, you know, pretty shiny pennies in front of her. And she was like, Ooh, that's pretty. Let me actually see what this is all about. Like how bad could it be to be married to Tom Cruise? I thought I was going to marry him before I put it on my manifestation board. And Zach, I really want to encourage you to keep that tinfoil hat on um, because sometimes I can be a bit of an earnest baby and just be like, (laughs) Oh, it was love. She was swept away, but you're right that like, this could have been a mutually beneficial relationship. She was a young Hollywood star. She was not an A-lister. She was being given the opportunity to date an A-lister. And who knows, like maybe when she started dating him, that was all that it seemed like. Like maybe she really could not have known she was going to be engaged in eight weeks time and pregnant in a matter of months. I mean, and I'm sure he love bombed her. Like I'm sure like we see these big moments like on Oprah, um, you see the, or you heard the rumors about like, you know, when they would do public appearances, when they would walk the red carpets together, they were very cognizant of making sure that there was always a good shot of them making out. You also see the influence that the press had of like, you know, really selling us this love story that we even started to fall in love with so much to the point where we became a little not nauseated by it because it was so intense. Like, you know, when you're, you're eating chocolate on Valentine's day and then before you know, it's 11 o'clock and you've, you've killed two pounds of chocolate and then you start to feel sick because it's too much love. Um, and now you're yes, crying and married weird. to Tom Cruise. <laughs> exactly. No, I, uh, you're right. Like it did become 
it just it just spun out of control so fast and and Tom Cruise is like known for doing that for in the in the initial dates with all of these women that he has been like publicly attached to of doing these like extravagant first dates and he did that for Katie Holmes too he took her on a plane um at, you know everything was a moment and it's like the bachelor you know when everything's right. a moment for 8 weeks then 8 weeks feels like enough time to know someone and get engaged. Well, not only that, but you also then start to believe the story. Like you're no longer mm. just selling the story to everybody else. Like you start to eat, to drink your own Kool-Aid and you're like, yeah. yeah, this is a love story. And I'm pretty sure she was caught up in that. But I feel like there was, as, the reason I think I have this little conspiracy theory is because once the marriage started to become more official, because obviously they ended up, you know, expe- announcing that they're expecting their first child together just a few months after announcing their engagement. They got married the following year, but her father, who's a divorce attorney helped her put together such an ironclad prenup where I think it was rumored that she was going to be getting like up to $50 million and whatever the prenup was, there were lots of rumors and speculation as to what the details of the prenup were. But the fact that it was such an ironclad prenup tells me that there was probably either, maybe it was her dad in her ear, but there was some form of hesitation. There was something in her that knew that this might not go the distance. Thank goodness for Katie Holmes's dad. Uh, He really comes out as a shining hero in this story, ultimately. And and that that prenup is like really does so much to ultimately save her because you're right. Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise they do get married. First, they have Surrey, um, and they are on the cover of Vanity Fair that I mentioned before. And that was like a big part of sort of cementing them as an actual couple, like as not just a joke. And I think that a lot of people thought that they'd get divorced immediately or this would be an annulment or it would all fall apart before they got actually got married and got that prenup. But um, they actually do get married in November 2006, um, shortly after Little Surrey, who I must say, I also love Surrey. And I think like the thing I remember most about this time was Surrey's burn book on Tumblr. Did you ever read that? <laughs> Yeah, you did. Um, I was just I used to I used to check in on Surrey's burn book a lot. And like that was a big part of like blogger gossip culture. It's just like a signature of the time that there were all these kind of like joke tumblers that then were getting like made into books and like giving people writing careers. And Surrey Cruz was one of those. But ultimately, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes do get married and then things kind of settle down like They're married for six years. They're still hugely famous, but notably Katie Holmes does not get any more famous for anything except being Tom Cruise's wife. So like whatever conspiracies we have about what she knew and what she thought she might get out of this, she doesn't really get it, which is like kind of a sad part of this. Right, because her acting career kind of took a hold. And I know there were rumors that, you know, part of it was because anytime she had a role, he would want to be on set with her and he would want Mm. to be around her. And he was very difficult on set to where he would be trying to tell the director how to shoot her. He would have to oversee all of her scenes. He would have to oversee all of her lines. And he was just very controlling of her. And so it was very troublesome to book her in a film or to book her in a series because it would have to come with Tom Cruise being there with her and having to micromanage everything that she was doing. And this is why we said in the beginning that, yes, perhaps this podcast is a bit of a celebration because, like, this is the worst of Tom Cruise time. He's really becoming, like, a lot more public whether he wants to or not, with how deeply embedded in Scientology he is. Gawker leaks a video of him doing, like, basically a Scientology indoctrination video that is so unsettling. We've already seen the behavior on Oprah's couch, and I just remember thinking, like, that man's eyes aren't looking right. Like, he was starting to act so erratically. He was publicly speaking out against 
psychiatry and about his former friend, Brooke Shields, who he insulted and berated for using antidepressants um, after her pregnancy. He chews out Matt Lauer, which, you know, is fine, um, but also about psychology. Uh, and so, like, he's just it's it's a weird time for Tom Cruise. And that's when Katie Holmes is married to him. But he's still making movies like he's still an A-lister. It's I don't know what it will or would take to make Tom Cruise not an A-lister, but we haven't found it yet. Um, but they stay married for six years and then boom, June 2012, uh, while Tom is filming a movie in Iceland, Katie Holmes out of nowhere files for the divorce. And by all accounts, this is like truly out of nowhere. She hadn't given him any warning because probably if she had, there would have been all kinds of voices in her ear from the Scientology camp to keep her from doing it. And like you mentioned, all the controlling behavior before, it's it. it looking back on it, it gave me so much respect for how Katie Holmes handled this. I just like, I can't imagine the detail that went into it. What do you remember about this time? Because like I said earlier, for some reason, their relationship had such an impact on me, but something about the divorce, it's just like, all. It, I guess it was that it was so sudden. All of a sudden they were divorced. Right. It was so, it, like it came out of nowhere and like we'd been sold this love story for so long that it's like, wait, what? How did, there were no rumors. There were no issues of them having, I mean, I guess there were like slight rumblings of him being really strict or, you know, him having to always be on set. But like, those were like inquirer stories, you know, nobody was right. really picking up on it. Like, ooh, it sounded juicy and salacious, but like, it wasn't anything that was like, oh my God, their marriage is really on the rocks and they're not going to make it um, until we get hit and we're blindsided with the divorce. And then we hear all of the details of like her having to have three burner phones and hiring three different divorce attorneys in three different states and having to get a burner laptop and like make sure that she really had to conceal all of the details of what she was actually doing from everybody around her and how isolating that had to have been considering all of their staff, all of their, you know, teams were Scientologists and would very likely report back to David had anything ever seemed a little fishy. So she really had to make sure that she was crossing her I's and dotting her T's. And I remember hearing that it was because she had found out that Tom was looking to put Surrey into the church, which is something they said that they weren't going to do early on in their marriage and early on when Suri was first born, she said that she didn't want Suri to be raised in the church. Obviously, we know the church is really important to Tom. So when she found out that he was secretly looking to start her in the early stages of Scientology, that's, I think, when the red flags really started to go up because she's like, listen, I'm doing everything he wants me to do. I'm loyal, I'm faithful, whatever. And now you're going behind my back and you're using my daughter in this you know, religion that I don't think she was ever really that invested in. Like, we never heard of her going to level OT2. Right. And yeah, I mean, her motivation was not Scientology. Her motivation was Surrey, as you referenced. Like, Surrey was six years old, and that is traditionally the time in the Church of Scientology when kids, like, really start to be indoctrinated because that's when indoctrination works best is when children are young and impressionable. And you have to imagine that Katie Holmes was like looking back on Tom Cruise's previous relationships and Nicole Kidman isn't able to have a real relationship with her children anymore. And, you know, I mean, it just, it feels like heroic almost. It's like over Katie Holmes's dead body, was she going to let that happen? She gets the burner phones. She gets the burner laptops. And once again, we put our hands in the air to praise whoever for her father who had that prenup. Because when... Katie Holmes files for divorce in June. The divorce is settled in two weeks, which is like unheard of. And we have praise, to assume. Yeah, praise Zenu. I was going to say praise who. <laughs> praise who. Um, we have to assume that it is because of 
that prenup, one thing that I think is like so strange is that Katie Holmes was 33 when she filed for divorce, which is the exact same age that Mimi and Nicole were when they got divorced from Tom as well. It makes you think that, like, I I know that they say that, like, the adult brain or, like, your brain doesn't fully form until you're 25, but, like, maybe there's something to 33, too. Maybe, Maybe something's going on. Well, isn't it interesting because he divorced Nicole Kidman kind of secretly behind her back. Mm-hmm. And even while she was pregnant, well, I guess at the time she didn't know she was pregnant, but he divorced her secretly, very similar to the way Katie decided to divorce him. I wonder if she took a page out of his book and was like, well, I saw how things went down with Nicole Kidman that I'm going to make sure, you know, I get this all settled with my dad and we make sure we have a deal that we know you're going to approve of because we need to get out. And my my conspiracy brain also thinks maybe like the church let her off a little too easy. Like, I'm sure she was like, I won't talk. But what if there was like, a like again, conspiracy brain. What if there's like a video where she's like exposing everything and she's like, listen, there's a copy in my, in the safe and we're going to leak it to the press if you don't let me out of this. Like she had a strong arm them in order to get this divorce settled in 11 days. Like you said, 11 days, that's unheard of. Which would be, if she did have some sort of dirt, some sort of hard evidence, would be yet another page out of Scientology's books. Because there's a mm-hmm. lot of like speculation and rumors that the reason that people like John Travolta and Tom Cruise stay involved, especially John Travolta, stay involved with Scientology is because they've got dirt on him. Like they've got something from all this auditing, which is secretly filmed and openly recorded, that he doesn't want the world to know. I I really, I like this twist. Like, I like this idea that she was like stuck in this situation, but she was learning for it from it. Like she was picking up how they were manipulating and controlling situations. And she's like, okay, real quick, I'm going to borrow a few pages out of that book. I'm going to get my child out of this situation. At least that's my hope for her, considering her right. career really had to be on the back burner for, right. you know, this marriage and for Scientology. And we never really saw her commit to Scientology, right? Like she was right. kind of there and she supported Tom, but she was never really heavily involved in it, which is probably part of the deal they sold her when she was out there auditioning for Mission Impossible. They're like, listen, you don't have to be fully involved in it. You just have to kind of be his arm candy and stand by his side. And I'm sure they were hoping that she would become more involved, but she never was. But I'm pretty sure while she's at home without a career, she's ha- she's like sitting there thinking of all the ways she can kind of, you know, plan her exit. At least I hope that's what was going on for her right. sake. And- and I I mean, for me, it was just like, you just got to respect it because it's like so many other things that we've talked about today. It's like, you don't know what you're getting yourself into until you're into it. But once right. she was into it, she made the right moves. She made the right observations. She made the right prenups, like to be able to get herself and especially her child out of it. As soon as she divorces Tom Cruise, she had kind of like secretly gotten an apartment in New York. She moves herself and Surrey into that apartment. She enrolls Surrey in private non-Scientology school. She like cleans house of her staff that had been Tom Cruise's staff, like all of her bodyguards that were devoted to Tom Cruise that are part of Scientology. She fires and she rehires pretty much everyone who had been like her representation and her entourage and her staff before she started dating Tom Cruise. And I just find that so interesting because it seems like when you fire someone, there's like bad blood. But it's like if all those people kind of knew, like if they knew that there was some sort of contract, if they knew that something was off about this marriage from the beginning, that they might be more willing to come back on board. That's like my tinfoil hat, my conspiracy theory about this like alleged, um, there was like a rumored five-year sort of contract like within that prenup that if they ever got divorced, 
that she couldn't publicly date anyone for five years as part of it. And part of that conspiracy theory is that soon after the divorce, she was rumored to be dating Jamie Foxx, but she was never seen holding hands with Jamie Foxx into, until 2017, five years after the divorce. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Listen, I think she was willing to do anything she could to get out of the marriage for sure. And he even admitted that um, in like a deposition years later, right? Where he said that, you know, one of her concerns or he was asked, you know, is it true? That, is it true that one of the concerns? Oh, because I believe he was trying to sue the tabloids um, mm. for saying that he was an absent father. And so in that lawsuit, he was asked if part of the reason, if it's true that the reason that Katie wanted to leave was because she wanted to protect her daughter from the Church of Scientology. And he admitted that that was one of her concerns. So, Zach, Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes have been divorced for 10 years. What are your feelings about these people as they stand now? What is your relationship now to Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes? Um, or what is I mean, or what is pop culture's relationship to them if you don't have a personal one? <laughs> I mean, it feels like this was like not 10 years ago, but like 20 years ago. It just feels like it such does. a lifetime ago. And I guess it's just because pop culture has changed so much since uh, 2011, 2012. So I think, um, I mean, obviously Tom Cruise is doing well. You know, he was just in Top Gun Maverick and I didn't see the original Top Gun Maverick, but I saw this sequel and I thought it was really good. And it was like the biggest movie. I think I ended up seeing it in theaters like three times because everybody wanted to see it and I committed to going to the theater. And so not willingly, but uh, trust me, after you see it and you have to see Tom Cruise and um, uh, Miles, you're just like, oh, hi. The football scene. Um, I think you're talking about the football scene. The football scene on the beach, yes. Um, So I think, you know, he's obviously still doing well. You know, he's still as relevant now as he was before. I think now he's kind of becoming like a, you know, a Sylvester Stallone, um, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, like an older actor, but they can still get roles. Bruce Willis, you know, they're still doing some action movies, but they've kind of been grandfathered into like this, this, you know, shelf of movie stars of film stars that were really popular um, and kind of still have relevance but kind of play the same roles over and over so I think he's definitely popular Katie Holmes I think has kind of shied away from the spotlight she doesn't really want to be in it I know she just did a film and she just had Surrey have a role in that film recently which I think is great her dating history has been a little interesting she had what Jamie Foxx and then she was dating chef Amelia Vitolo Jr. And then I think more recently she's dating Bobby Wooden, who's a musician. So she went from like big film star to chef, low-key chef to composer. So I think her dating history recently has kind of been interesting. And she's kind of just like doing the behind the scenes thing. She's acting in roles to kind of put food on the table. Um but I mean, she doesn't really need to. I don't think she cares to be in the spotlight. I think when she was with Tom, it was so heavily, you know, her life was so heavily documented that now she kind of is okay retreating. And I heard that she didn't end up getting any money from her divorce, but she at least was receiving child support, which was rumored to be about 400000 per month on top of like Surrey's expenses, like her school and medical being covered by Tom as well. So, I mean, at that point, like you don't really need to be working if you're getting four hundred grand per month from Tom Cruise. Yeah, I, I think it would be easy to sort of like look at where they are now and be like, well, Tom Cruise is perhaps a bigger movie star than he's ever been. I mean, Top Gun Maverick is his biggest grossing film, and he's kind of taken on this role of like Mr. Hollywood. Like he is reinstating cinema post-COVID. Like he saved the theater. Zach went and saw Top Gun Maverick three times. Like it's like he he is he's kind of been put in this like savior of Hollywood role. And then you look at Katie Holmes, like you said, who's just like not doing a lot of acting. I think it would be easy to see that as like a bit of a failure, but I like where Katie Holmes has landed. I like her as a glamorous mom in New York City who just comes out wearing weird matching cashmere sets and like dates a bunch of weirdos. And 
I think that is where no one could have expected, like, kind of girl next door, Katie Holmes post Dawson's Creek. But I think it's a great place to land. And I think, like, the most hopeful end of this story is that Suri really seems to be doing great. She is so precious. She looks just like her mom. She's, like, cavorting around New York City. And to me, that's a win. So maybe this was a celebration after all. It is for me. I'm happy for Suri. I'm happy for Katie. She seems to be living a great life. Um, I mean, Tom, you know, he's doing well. He's still, I think he's kind of having a bit of a comeback. Um, I think Maverick really put him back on the map. Uh, Not that he was ever off the map, but I think it made him so much more culturally relevant to like a younger audience again. Whereas before it was only people that really grew up watching Tom Cruise that were so familiar with him. But I think, listen, Katie landed on her feet. Scientology can go out and be like, listen, we gave Tom Cruise his career back and we have Katie just living in an apartment in New York and she's not famous anymore. But I think Katie's happy. And I think that's the important thing is she's free from Tom. She's free from Scientology. And she's tried to keep Surrey as much out of the spotlight and having a normal childhood, which is, I think, her priority. And I think she's done a phenomenal job of that. What a lovely note to end on. Zach Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Where can people find you if they're looking for you? Thank you, Jody. Um, I host a pop culture podcast called Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. It's available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Just Plain Zach all over the internet. Oh, Zach, thank you so much. Thank you to our producer, Kaya McMullen. And we will see you back here for another pop culture history lesson in the near future. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.